What is up, ASM? It is so good to be back with you guys. It's been a while since I've actually uh, done one of these videos. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to, to get to keep studying the book of James with you. I haven't done this since the, the first passage in James. So uh, before we even jump in, let's just pray. Uh, make sure you have your Bible with you. Uh, if you're watching this at home, have your Bible with you. Uh, and, and we're going to read James 2 together. But first, let's pray. Uh, God, I just come before you, I, I pray, um, ready to learn, ready to hear from your word. Um, God, I pray that you would use me, um, give me truth. Uh, if there's uh, anything on my mind to, to distract or anything on our minds to distract from uh, the, the teaching of your word, from the study of your word, to be better equipped to follow you, God, I pray that that would be uh, put aside. Um, get, get rid of distractions, clear our minds, prepare our hearts um, to receive truth from your word to be a better follower of you. God, I pray that we would be equipped um, to be used by you, that we are ready and eager uh, to be used by you, God, and that today is a time of encouragement for that fact. Um, God, pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Well, I want to start with a story, and here's what I want you to do is imagine back when class actually happened in person, when schools met in person. I know, I know that feels like forever ago, but remember that time, and in your mind, if you want, close your eyes, do whatever helps you focus, but uh, in, in your mind, remember when a new student showed up. Picture one of those new students. Now, if they were the... Uh, if. For me, if it was a girl and she showed up, uh, the things that would run through my mind when I saw a new student, and actually when I saw the class list, I would read the names first if I'm being honest, but uh, when I see a new student, uh, I would think, okay, is she cute? Is she someone that I'm interested in, depending on my age, like, do I wanna like her? Do I wanna date her? Uh, and is she someone that I wanna get to know better and hang around and try to, to be close with? If it's a guy, immediately I went like, this guy the same interest as me? Like, is he cool? Are we gonna wanna hang out? Am I gonna wanna be friends? Or I'm um, not really sure. Maybe uh, I'm intimidated. Or maybe uh, I, I think he might be uh, a little bit awkward and not someone that I really wanna be around. Um, if, if we're being honest, what, what I call this is the new student syndrome. Uh, it's not anything official by any means, but this is just how I think about it. So when there's a new student, it's kind of like the grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, if it was a girl, I always was like, oh, maybe she's cuter than any of the girls I already know. Whether that's true or not, uh, you know, little 12-year-old Austin, um, who knows? But what, what always happens is a new person shows up and we make quick snap judgments about them about do we want to invest in them? Do we want to spend time with them? Are they someone that is worth me, worthy of me? And this is actually something that James is addressing in his letter today. Um, so let's open up James chapter two. We're gonna read verses one through four first. And James writes this. He says, my brothers and sisters, I, in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here, sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? This is what James is saying, literally. Two people walk into church, right? And one is clearly wealthy, dressed nice, maybe a little bit like me, you know, I don't know. But they're, they're wealthy, they, they clearly look nice. The other one 
basically, they're poor, they're homeless, right? And you can tell the difference. We all can tell the difference. They aren't looking as great. Uh, and the rich person is given the very best seat in the house, which by the way, for me, in the, in the auditorium, the best seat in the house, top center balcony, just saying. But the rich person is given the very best seat in the house and the poor person is kind of pushed off, like, I don't have time for you. Go find anywhere else to sit, just not anywhere good. Make sure you're on the floor, make sure you're out of the way, whatever. And I think we kind of all know that feeling to a certain extent. We can relate to feeling brushed off or not valued uh, in a certain sense when meeting someone new. Uh, and so that's, that's basically what's happening here. And, and this is the problem that James is addressing. Uh, it's that favoritism is being shown to wealthy people and the poor people are getting tossed aside. And that's a big problem. Uh, for me, again, I can kind of think back to my time when I worked at Nike. Uh, I used to work at the, the downtown Nike store, which is a pretty cool store, actually. Um, lots of really cool things. Cool people come in there, too, um, all the time. Nike, as you probably know, has sponsorships with a ton of athletes. Um, so, like, Felix Hernandez would come in sometimes. Russell Wilson was there one time. Uh, I, I got to help a couple other Seattle Mariners, and I'm a huge Mariners fan. So whenever uh, I would see a, a Mariner come in, I would, like, go out of my way to make sure I could try to help them because I just want to talk to them and be around them. But also, being in downtown Seattle, uh, a lot of homeless people would come into our store. Uh, and the way that we treated an athlete versus the way that we treated a homeless person, uh, it could not be more different. Right, the athlete I'm basically rolling out the red carpet for. Like I'm making sure I wanna go above and beyond. I wanna be around this person. I wanna do everything I can for them. But the homeless person, I'm making sure they're not stealing anything. I'm making sure uh, that, that they leave the store uh, in, in a way that everyone is safe. Um, and, and I don't wanna go into all the socioeconomic impacts of that. But the only point of this is that there's a clear difference in the way that I'm treating those people in a retail store. And the key is, at church, that's not supposed to be the case. You, we can talk about whether or not that should, that should be the case there, but at church in particular, there is a special reason that is not the case. We are not to treat people differently based on any external judgment that we make. Um, so for us, and let's just be honest, as students, rich and poor could be a part of it, right? The person that has the cool car, the nice car, the person that has the nice house that you love to hang out at, the person, uh, if you're guys, that they have the newest video game console, right? That could be a little bit of the rich and poor versus the, the person that doesn't have that. You may not choose to, to go uh, spend as much time with them or, or treat them as well. But I think also one of the big things is that it's, uh, are they cute or attractive? Uh, are they gonna elevate my social status? Or are they awkward? Or are they like, just not someone that's going to help me out in any way. Um, and so I'm not, I'm gonna kind of push them aside. I think as students, that's probably a little bit more true of what we are judging people on. Is it someone that elevates my social status? Am I more popular, am I cooler, uh, or am I less? And that's the struggle. And here's why this is not to be the case, specifically in churches, in the way that we treat people. First of all, we know there's the command that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love our neighbor well. That is a clear command. And in doing this, I, I hope you see showing favoritism, showing preferential treatment, and more so showing unpreferential treatment to someone else. That is not loving at all.
Uh, that is so opposite of what God is asking us to do, and especially in a place that uh, we call his house, his place of worship, where we come to gather and worship him. That should be the furthest thing from us. And it shouldn't just be at church, right? It's, it's in all things. Uh, and, and this is something that I think, this is actually the, the big idea of this passage that we can apply to uh, every single area of our life. Let's read verses eight through 11. James says this, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Good. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Man, okay, that last part, verse 11, when I first read that, let's just have a brief, frank conversation. It says, if you... Uh, you're not supposed to commit adultery. You're also not supposed to commit murder. If, if we're just thinking of those, we think murder is probably the worst one. So he's going to say, well, guess what? If you commit adultery, you're also a murderer, right? Jesus kind of said that. If you hate your brother in your heart, you have also been uh, guilty of murder, right? So we think he's going that direction, but then James actually flips it and he says, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you're a lawbreaker. You're guilty of adultery as well. Uh, it, it's like kind of jarring to me when I read that. I don't know about you. I just had to say that. But here's, here's his point though. If the law, God's commands, everything that he has asked us to do that he requires of us in scripture is total. It is complete. They are all connected. You don't get to cherry pick. That is the big idea. We don't get to cherry pick. If we have a faith that works, we are not cherry picking which of God's commands we want to follow. We're not cherry picking the kind of people that we want to love. And so if you do not love your neighbor well, if you do not love the stranger that comes into your home, into church, into your life, into your classroom, whatever it is, uh, if you're not loving that person well, you are guilty of not just breaking love your neighbor. You're actually guilty of breaking God's commands and God's law. And why is this a big idea? Well, if we, if we want to follow Jesus, if we say, God, I want to be more like you, I recognize what you've done for me. I want to be more like you we don't cherry pick. We don't say, well, okay, I'm going to be more like you in this way, but not this way, right? We don't get to do that. We have to actually commit to seeing, first of all, studying the word, which is what we're doing right now of seeing what does God say we're supposed to do, but then also we're supposed to go through and obey those things. We have to actually do them. I don't, that's wild, right? We have to actually go and obey Jesus in what he commands and how we're supposed to love people. Uh, one of the the things, um, Zach Denham is my roommate. Zach Denham has this game called Munchkin. I don't know if you've ever heard of Munchkin. It's a fantastic board game. I love it. It's, it's weird, uh, but it's like a card game board game where the whole goal is that you fight monsters and you have a character and you build them with armor and weapons and all this good stuff. Um, one part of the game is that you can make deals with the other people and they can actually help you. So if you're fighting a monster that's too strong for you, they can actually give you things, they can give you items or cards uh, that actually help you beat the monster. And I love this. I love to like wheel and deal and trade and all this kind of stuff. It's like totally my wheelhouse. Um, 
That's how I love Munchkin. This game is so much fun for me. And the reason why it's fun for me is the exact reason why Zach refuses to play it with me. It's because I always make deals with people all around me um, that whenever someone gets to, there's like 10 levels you're supposed to get through. And once you complete the 10th level, you win. As soon as someone gets to that top level, I make deals where we all team up on that person. And then when I'm trying to get close to there, if I can't get there, I make a deal with someone that I'm like, hey, I call it spiritual victory. It's not like actually a term or anything, but like in spirit, I will win with you if you get there, right? So I'll just kind of help boost them there the whole way. And Zach absolutely hates it because like I just turn and like I'll stab people in the back and uh, usually Zach refuses to make the deal with me. So he's instantly the target because Zach usually does pretty well and gets close and then immediately I turn on him. Uh, and what this is, spiritual victory is not a, a rule in Munchkin. I created it, I cherry picked it. I bend the rules in Munchkin, the way that the, the trading's supposed to work, all of that. I'm making like secret handshake deals on the side to get around those rules. And so my point with this story is that we don't get to do that when it comes to following Jesus. We don't get to make a backroom deal and say, well, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you in this way, but not this way. Uh, I'm gonna focus on this one, and if this one slides, then oh well, I guess no one noticed it, right? It's not like playing a board game, right? God is actually the perfect judge, and we're actually promised that we're gonna face judgment. And this is how, this is how James ends his letter. And this is convicting to us, but I hope it also provides hope. It says this in 12 and 13, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And here's what James is saying. This is what we're gonna close with. James is saying this. Yes, we have been freed from the law. We've been freed from the punishment of the law that is death. But we're not freed from facing judgment for what we have done in our lives. When we die, when Jesus returns, we will still face judgment. We will be forgiven, but we will have to give an account of all that we have done, the good and the bad, and we're gonna face our God, we're gonna face our creator, our savior with those things. And I believe as someone that wants to follow Jesus, that wants to be close to God, that wants to be like him, to serve him well, I believe that we want to obey him in that way. We wanna be able to go in front of him and say, God, I loved well, I obeyed you well. We don't wanna go before him and say, well, here's all the ways that I tried to find a loophole around what you were asking me to do. That's not what we're asked to do. But again, this should still be a source of hope because remember, we have been freed from the penalty that is death. Yes, we will face judgment for our sins, for what we have done against him, but we are still freed from that because of Jesus' price that he paid on the cross. That's why he came. That doesn't mean that we get to ignore everything and we get to go live however we want. James is being very clear. We need to pay attention to the ways that we are not uh, obeying God. So here's our questions to close. First, why is it sometimes harder to show love to certain people? Just why is it? Um, and what can you change then to better love them? One of the things that you personally can change in your life to better love those people that are hard to love. Secondly, where are you finding loopholes in God's commands? And why are you finding loopholes in those specific commands? Why those ones? Right. As this is a, we want to have a faith that works. 
want to have one that works to, to bring us closer to God, one that brings us uh, in a way that we are able to serve him and, and love others well and be used by him. So that is our goal. That's why we want to do this. Uh, and that's why James wrote this letter, right? So I hope you guys have a great week. Hope to see you soon uh, and enjoy your time in James. Thanks. Thanks.